Hey, this is Greg Sanders. Thanks for listening today. It's our hope that this message will help you connect to God, grow in His Word, and serve the kingdom in a greater capacity. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. I want to get into the Word with you this morning. This is week two in a series that's going to take us all the way through Easter, simply called His Name is Jesus. We're here today worshiping one person and His name is Jesus. Amen? Last week we talked about the fact that... uh, that certain things bothered Jesus. How many of you know that certain things bother Jesus? I want to push against a lie. Okay? This is last week's message, but I'm going to re-preach it to you for about 90 seconds. There's a lie that says God understands. Let me tell you something. God does understand. But understanding is not the same as excusing. Certain things bother Jesus. If you have some questions about that statement, I would challenge you to go back and re-listen to last week's message. And today I want to talk another thing about another element of Jesus. Uh, I want to talk about the fact that Jesus is the servant king. He's a servant king. He's a king, but he's also the servant king. Several years ago, I had a friend of mine uh, that worked at a university, and this university was having a very high-profile speaker come in to speak that week, and my friend was in charge of receiving this high-profile speaker. And so I asked him, I said, so what's that like? Uh, Well, weeks before the high-profile speaker arrived, my friend had to go to the private airport have you seen those tape measures that roll out to like 100 feet or whatever? He had to measure the, the speaker's agent, wanted to know, how many feet is it from where the plane lands to where the limousine is going to pick him up? And then he had to know precisely the miles and the minutes it's going to take to get from the private airport to the university. And then how many steps is it from where the car door will open and to the platform where he is seated? And he wants to know exactly at what point of the ceremony will the speaker be required to speak because he's only going to get there five minutes before his time to speak. And then when his speech is over, he's only going to wait another five minutes while the ceremony continues before he has to get up and go back to the airport it was he went way my buddy had to go way out of his way to receive someone of high prestige and most of the time if we were to hear that a king is coming a president is coming a celebrity is coming we understand that perhaps we're going to go out of our way to receive them but friends with Jesus we don't have to go out of our way to receive him friends he went out of his way to receive us he went out of his way to make a way that we could be welcomed by him and not us just welcome him in Matthew chapter 20 Jesus speaking about himself, sums it up this way. He has a term, and Jesus has a term he used for himself a lot. So if you're new to the Bible, you might miss, anytime you see this phrase, this is Jesus referring to himself. And the phrase is the Son of Man. Jesus said, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, Jesus said straight up, hey, I didn't come for you to serve, for, 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 for people to serve me. He said, I came to serve people. And he illustrated that so graciously in John chapter 13. We're going we're gonna to look, this is the last supper that Jesus ate with his disciples before he went to the cross. 
We're going to talk a little bit more about this event as we get closer to Easter. But it says, before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. And it was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, uh, to, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, and he had commanded that he had come from God and would return from God uh, to God. So he got up from the table, he took off his robe, he wrapped a towel around his waist, he poured water into a basin, and then he began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with towel he had around him. And when Jesus came to Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, you're not going to wash my feet. But Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested, you will never wash my feet. And Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. And Simon Peter exclaimed, then wash my hands and my head as well. Lord, not just my feet. And Jesus replied, a person who's been bathed all over doesn't need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you, for Jesus knew who would betray him. That is what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. After washing their feet, he put his robe on again, and he sat down, and he asked, Do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I've given you an example to follow. Do as I've done to you. I tell you the truth, slaves are not greater than the master nor is a messenger more important than the one who sends the message. And now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. Father, we love you, and I thank you for this time we have together this morning. I'm thankful that you're the servant king. Lord, you went out of your way to welcome us. And so, God, now we want to go out of our way to welcome you into our lives this morning and welcome you into everything we do. So God, I pray this morning you'll help me to preach the word you want spoken. Help us to hear by the power of the Holy Spirit exactly what the Spirit is saying to us today. And we'll give you thanks for it. Everybody in the room said amen. amen. I'm not really sure if we get a picture of what's going on here. I mean, uh, we don't utilize the service of foot washers very often. If someone were to walk up to you this morning when you came to church and said, hey, I want to wash your feet real quick before you sit down. You might be saying, like, you want to do what? I mean, and most of you, you're kind of, a, I've just noticed this. Maybe I shouldn't say most, so I'll just say this. A lot of people I've met are kind of, they're kind of, they're kind of ashamed of their feet. They're kind of grossed out by feet. The last thing they want to do is show you their feet. But in Jesus' day, uh, washing feet was, it wasn't just a ceremony, it was actually a necessity because most people in Jesus' day, they, they wore sandals and they walked down dusty streets and dusty roads and they're walking down the same roads as camels and horses and donkeys and goats and, and so they were stepping in more than just dust when they walked in and down the street. You were walking in all kinds of stuff, so to have your feet washed after you're wearing open-toed shoes for miles and miles. It was not just something that was nice or procedural. It was something that was ex extremely necessary. And the only person who would ever wash your feet was a servant of the lowest caliber. Like the, the lowest, most um, humbling thing you could do or be 
was to be the person who washed others' feet. Now, if you walked into a middle-class home in those days, a lot of times the host would just put out some water and put out a towel, and you know everybody just kind of washes their own feet. But if it was a per, if it was a house of, of esteem, if it was a house where someone was well off and they had servants, then the lowest servant of the house would have the job of kneeling down and washing the mud and the crud and all the stuff off of people's feet. And that's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus, the king of the world, the one who spoke in Genesis and world came to formation, bends down and he begins to wash the disciples' feet. Just like last week, when Jesus cleared the temple, that wasn't just an action Jesus took. There was a lesson Jesus wanted to learn. Friends, this week, Jesus washing the feet of those disciples is not just a, it's not just a unique incident that Jesus, that's included in the text because, you know, it's not a history lesson, it is an application lesson. It's not something that Jesus just wants us to know occurred, it's something he wants us to put in practice today. Matter of fact, Jesus' last words about this incident was not blessed if you know about this account. Did you hear about that? I am all for knowing Scripture. I mean, we were singing that song earlier, and the team was leading us, and I won't sing it, and I know you'll be better off that I don't see it, sing it, but we were singing, He said it, I believe it. He said it, I believe it. He said it, so it's done. He said it, I believe it. But friends, if you don't know it, you can't believe it. If you don't know it, you can't stand up on it. If you don't know it, it's not going to bring peace to your heart when the world starts crashing down. We, let me just get totally off subject. We live in a world today, if you listen to any news station, read any report on the news today, there's a lot of people talking about you got to prep because hard times are coming. Friends, I just want to challenge you. Make sure you're prepping with the Word of God more than you are anything else in this world because, friends, heaven and earth is going to pass away, but the Word of God is going to endure. Amen? So we got to be people of the Word we got to be people of the Word. we got to know the Word. But Jesus does not say you're going to be blessed if you know the Word. He says you're going to be blessed if you do the Word. So we got to know the Word so we can do the Word. I said we got to know the Word so that we can do the Word. I believe the devil celebrates when Christians get away from the Word because he knows they cannot apply what they do not know. The day we get away from the Word is the day we get away from what God's called us to do and who He's called us to be and who God is. And, and we also get away in the same moment the blessing God wants upon our life because we're not doing what we know to do. Jesus says you're going to be blessed by doing the Word. And so Jesus is in the middle of the supper. They're in the middle of the meal. In the middle of everything that's going on, Jesus gets up from dinner. Now, how many know it's just kind of rude, weird, or different if you get up in the middle of a meal? Right? I mean, if you're just like halfway through the mashed potatoes and someone just gets up, isn't that weird? Isn't that different? 
If you're on a first date with somebody and halfway during the date she gets up and walks, uh, you know, that kind of lets you know something is going wrong here. And Jesus is in the middle of a meal and he gets up and he wraps, he takes off his robe and he puts the servant's towel around him. It makes you wonder, why did he get up in the middle? Did he get up in the middle of the meal because he noticed everyone had forgotten to wash their feet? Was it stinky? Was it smelly? Did he get up because he noticed everyone just washed their own feet? They just looked out for number one, didn't care about anyone else? Or did he, just, or did he get up because though their feet had been washed once, he wanted to give a teaching moment? I don't know the answer to that question. But I know that getting up in the middle of a meal really highlighted that something different is taking place. Something that he wanted to capture our attention is taking place. And not just something he wanted to capture our attention, but something he wanted us to live out beyond this moment. So I want to ask you real quickly, what lessons should we learn from the servant king? Because Jesus tells us what it means to be the servant king. Not that we can know it so that we can become it. Did you know if you've ever prayed the prayer, Jesus, make me more like you. The moment you pray that prayer, you're praying, God, make me more of a servant. Right? Because Jesus was a servant king. He was a servant king. You cannot be like Jesus if you're not willing to be a servant. You ever, you ever taken a test on how to know if you're a servant or not? Would you like for me to give you a test so you can test your servanthood right, real quick? Here's the ultimate servanthood test. It's not by what you do for God. A true servanthood test is this how you respond when someone treats you like a servant. That's how you nearly know, am I a servant? When people treat me like a servant, do I respond in pride or do I respond like a servant? So what does Jesus teach us about being the servant king? Number one, the first thing Jesus knew that sometimes we don't always know is Jesus knew his time. What I mean by that is Jesus made the most of every opportunity. John chapter 13 says that Jesus knew his time on earth was coming to a close. Do you realize when you read the Gospels this morning that Jesus knew what was about to come? Jesus is not a victim of circumstance. He is not a, he is not a martyr. It's not that someone took his life from him. Jesus said himself, I freely lay down my life. Jesus knew everything that was going on. He knew he was sitting around a table with Peter who was about to deny him three times. He knew he was sitting around a table with Judas who, who, was, who had sold him out for 30 pieces of silver who would betray him. He knew that he was about to go to a garden and in the middle of a garden he would be arrested and taken to the place of his, of his, of his, of his, um, his examination, his trial, his execution eventually. He knew all of this was going. He knew exactly what the time was. And so knowing that his time Time was short. He made the most of his time. I just want to ask you this morning. What would you do with your last 24 hours on earth? If you knew. It's 1045. If you knew tomorrow at 1045 a.m. You were exiting this life. What would you do with your final 24 hours? See, Jesus knew. I'm convinced Jesus knew down to the second how much time he had left on earth. The Bible says he knew. 
his time was drawing short. And if he knew all these other details about the next 24 hours, surely he knew when his time was going to become. But here's the question today. Do you and I know our time? Do you and I understand that we're not promised tomorrow? We're not promised next week. We all have goals and dreams and aspirations that when I retire or when I get this old or when I get this job, I'll do this, I'll do that. But I'll just repeat the words of an older preacher that once said, you know, tomorrow is a mystery, yesterday is history, but God has given us today. Friends, we got to make the most of our today because it's the only thing we have. There's a lot of things I want to give my kids. I want to leave for my kids. I want to do with my kids. But friends, the only thing I know I can do for them is what I can do for them today. And why does Jesus, in the last 24 hours of his life, get up from mealtime, put on a towel around his waist and began spending time serving, washing the feet of these disciples because he wanted to leave an impression on them that life isn't just about ourselves. It's about serving one another. And the best time to serve one another, the best time to serve God is today. I feel like many times we, we undervalue today and we overvalue tomorrow. We have all this stock put in what we're going to do tomorrow, what we're going to become tomorrow, how we're going to live our lives tomorrow, what we're going to accomplish tomorrow. We, and we so much overvalue tomorrow that we undervalue the greatest opportunity of our lifetime that's promised, and that is today. You know, Jesus said, don't say in John chapter 4, 35, he said, don't say you got four months and then you'll do something. He said, no, no, look into, open your eyes. Look, today is the day of harvest. John Maxwell, I'll put this quote on the screen for you. Pretty potent quote. He said, hell begins on the day when God grants us clear vision of all that we might have achieved and all the gifts we wasted and of all that we might have done that we did not do. Jesus is in his final hours, but he's living it the same way he lived his whole life, with intentionality to do his Father's will. So the first thing, if we're going to be the true servants of the King, we've got to know our time. Number two, second thing about Jesus is this. He loved his disciples to the end. John chapter 13 says Jesus knew his hour to come was here. He loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. The love of Jesus did not water down with the stressful moments of his life. Have you ever spent a lot of time with somebody? I mean a lot of time. Have you ever had the occasion, the reality, to where you thought you really liked someone you thought you were on the same page. You thought you appreciated them, but then you went, maybe you went on vacation with them. Maybe you got stationed right beside them in the office. Maybe you had to ride, to the, ride with them for a 12-hour trip. And all of a sudden, you, you realize the person that you really thought you loved, maybe you don't love quite as much. Right? Maybe, you know, I hope, I hope when you got married... You know, I, I tell people when I'm doing marriage counseling times that marriage is the magnifier, right? The little things become big things once you get married, right? 
I can tell I'm helping people right now because you're being so quiet. <laughs> right? If there's a little tick that just kind of you wish they wouldn't do it, once you get married, magnif- magnification, boom, it becomes this huge deal. And so you got to be okay with a huge deal because it's about to get magnified. Now, the flip side of that is that if you're thinking about getting married, the flip side of that is the good stuff gets magnified too. But I'm just saying Jesus has been traveling with these dudes for three years. He's been eating, sleeping, preaching, ministering, mostly 24-7. And these guys have been filled with doubt. These guys have messed up over and over again. Peter was repeatedly saying the wrong thing. Thomas doubts everything it seems like. they're struggling, they're stumbling. And yet the Bible says Jesus loved them till the end. No no number of mess-ups or mess-ups could keep Jesus from loving them. Here's some good news this morning. No matter how many missteps you've made in your life, Jesus still loves you. No matter how much you think you have tested the grace of God, He still loves you. He still has hopes for you. He has transformation for you this morning. He still has a message He wants to put in you so that you can pass on to someone else. The fact that Jesus put on the towel, let those disciples know that I don't just believe in you, I love you so much that I want to serve you that you can become what I am to others. Jesus loved them. Sometimes it's hard to serve people. Is that okay to say? Sometimes it's hard to serve people. Sometimes when people treat you like a servant, you don't want to react like a servant. You want to react like the boss. You want to remind them, hey, I'm doing you a favor, Jack. Right? You do that. I don't do that. I'm too spiritual to do that. But, but I can tell you do that. Uh, right? So, so what, what, what allowed Jesus, who had seen all of these guys stumble and fall, who had to clean up their mess time after time, what made Jesus get down on his knee and get this towel and begin to wipe all the stuff off their feet when it wasn't really his job. It was someone else's job. Someone else had left this thing undone. And here's Jesus doing what was left undone for these disciples. You know what, you know what drove him to do that? It's what we just talked about. He, he didn't just love them when times were good. He loved them to the end. It's easier to serve people when you love people. It's hard to serve people when you don't love people. It's nearly impossible to serve people well when you don't love them well. But Jesus still loved them. And I just want to challenge you this morning. This is going to kind of be in your face. But if you're struggling with serving others, my guess is you're also struggling loving others. And our love for people, it does not come from what they can do for us are what they've done for us in the past. Because people will do you wrong. You're, you're, you know, my, my best friends in life are not people who've always done me right. 
My best friends in my life are not people that I've never hurt. As a matter of fact, let me, I should stick to my notes, but I'm not going to. Some of you in this room, I'm going to help you real big right now. I might hurt you in the process. But if your best friends are people who have never let you down or never hurt you, you have very shallow relationships. Real friendships and real families are people who have hurt one another and then lived through, survived through, and restored that relationship biblically to a, to a place now their relationship is tighter now than it ever was before. See, you really don't trust people until you've been through something with people. And Jesus had been through a lot with these guys, and they have led him down over and over again, but yet here he is. He's serving them. He's letting his life be used to be a picture of what God can do through someone. Here's the third thing we learn about Jesus, and I'm supposed to be done in five minutes. Wow. I'm going to fail. Jesus knew, Jesus knew all things were under his power. Think about that. Jesus knew all things were under his power. One reason we struggle to serve at times is because we're insecure. Jesus served because he was totally secure. He knew, think about this. Jesus knew that putting on a robe and doing the most meaningless or our most uh, menial job on planet Earth of that moment, Jesus knew there was nothing about what he was doing in service for God that could lower his position in God. He was being who God called him to be. Sometimes we lose our ability to serve because we're afraid, what are people going to think if I say that or do that? No, 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 no. Jesus knew all things were under his power. And the moment he knew all things were under his power, he let that turn to service. You know, sometimes when I'm in the middle of, of a hardship, hard time, which, you know, the last few weeks have, have been that for me, I remember... Psalms 23, where the Bible says that he sets a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He can nourish me no matter what's going wrong or bad. No matter how big the disappointments, God has food for us in those moments. He has spiritual nourishment for us in that moment. Um, and think about, think about what Jesus is doing around this table. He, you set a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Jesus is sitting across the table from someone who's about to deny him three times. He's sitting across the table from someone who is selling him out, who, who's selling him out to, to be crucified. He sold him out to the religious leaders. Jesus is literally sitting in the presence of his enemies, but in the middle of his enemies, he, he stands up and he serves them. He knew that all the power of the Father reside, resided in him. No amount of problems robbed him of his peace with God or the peace of God in him. He knew his father was in control. And no matter what's sitting around your table this morning, I would just tell you God's still in control. No matter what's surrounding you today, God's power and his favor, his will, his plan is still intact this morning. So Jesus served. That's the fourth thing he served. 
The greatest, the greatest use of spiritual power is not shouting in the aisle. Just going to let that sink in for a minute. I love shouting in the aisle, by the way. The greatest use of spiritual strength is serving others by serving God. Jesus served. And when Jesus served, why is, this, why is this moment so powerful in the disciples' lives? There's a few reasons I believe it's powerful. Number one, he, he confronted their selfish desire to always be first. He confronted the idea that some task might be beneath them. He confronted the pride that, you know, I'm too big to serve. He confronted the idea that you can be a leader without being a servant. Meh. He confronts the idea that people exist to serve me rather than the truth that I exist to serve others on behalf of the Father. See, when we serve people, it confronts them with the love of God, and it confronts us with the heart of God. And here's the fifth thing, Megan, if you want to come. Jesus set the example of serving. Did you notice Jesus didn't just say, he didn't just give us a, a moment of, of him serving. He set the example of serving. He said, now you will be blessed if you do this. God will bless you if you do this. If I do what? If I wash people's feet? No. If you serve others. If you're willing to to stop what you're doing. That's what Jesus did, right? He was right in the middle of, of a meal. It wasn't convenient. It wasn't expected. It wasn't normal. It wasn't that someone was screaming, bless God, my feet need to be washed. It wasn't out of someone's demands, but it was out of a heart to serve God and out of a heart to change those around him. Jesus stopped what was expected and he did the unexpected. He served in a moment where no one else expected him to serve. I want to ask you to bow your heads this morning because last week we talked about how certain things do bother Jesus, but today I want to talk about, I just want to remind you that Jesus is the servant king. He's the servant king. Does Jesus serve us at times? Does he meet our needs at times? Does he come in and prop us up and build us up and lift us up? Absolutely. So thankful for that. But he does that for us. He is that servant to us so that we can be that servant for others. Every time we serve, we show people the love of Christ and we also see the heart of God for us at the same time. Today, this, this morning, you said, Pastor, I, I need the help of Jesus. There is some spiritual pictures going on in this scene. Jesus begins to wash what no one else is washing. He, he touches what no one else is willing to touch. He reaches down to where no one else is willing to get out of their comfort and reach so they can be clean, physically clean. But Jesus does the same thing spiritually. And today, maybe you feel, feel like, say, Pastor, hey, I'm not right with God. I am not spiritually clean. Can I tell you? Uh, 
Jesus is not afraid to touch, to touch the dirt in our lives. He's not afraid to wash out the junk that tries to attach our, itself to our lives because of what we've walked through. He'll clean us. He'll make us whole this morning. Say, Pastor, there's, I'm just, I'm not right with God. I just need Jesus to clean me. Maybe for the very first time, or maybe you just, hey, I know, I know what it is I should be doing, but I just, I need, I need Jesus to help me this morning. If you just lift a hand real quick, ask me, Pastor, pray for me. Amen. 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 I mean, put your hands down. Several hands up this morning. Man, Jesus is, Jesus is so excited this morning to step in your life and give you a fresh start. He's so ready to step into your life and give you the power to overcome what you can never overcome on your own. And today he's about to do that. And so I want to ask the entire congregation to say this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for doing for me what I could not do for myself. You lived a perfect life. You died a sacrificial death. And you rose again on the third day so that I could be clean. So Jesus, today, cleanse my life. Forgive me of my sin. Eradicate my past. Today, I step into a new future by following you. Lead me today, Lord, and I'll follow. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord a hand clap with those that are making that prayer, that decision today. We love you, Jesus. And friends, Jesus wants every one of us to be used the same way Jesus allowed himself to be used. He wants all of us to be willing to serve. So I want to challenge you this week. You're probably not going to have a chance or a need to wash someone's feet. But I am, I am certain that there's going to be opportunities this week where Jesus will give you a chance to exemplify His love, the love of the Father to others through service. You can do it through serving around the church, but you can also do it serving on your job. I'll just challenge you to respond to the opportunities that God gives you. Amen? Hello, this is Greg Sanders, pastor of the Assembly here in Cabot. I want to say thanks for listening today. If you are ever in the Cabot area, we'd love to have you join us for a service. For service times, check out our webpage at theassemblycabot.com. Thanks again for listening. We hope you have a great day, and God bless.